0: Assistance of counsel. U.S. Constitution Amendment 6 provides. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right, to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. The assistance of counsel clause includes, as relevant here, at least six distinct rights, the right to counsel of choice, the right to appointed counsel, the right not to be constructively denied counsel, the right to conflict-free counsel, the effective assistance of counsel, and the right to represent oneself pro se. A defendant does not have a Sixth Amendment right to counsel in any civil proceeding, including a deportation hearing, even though deportability is often a collateral consequence of criminal conviction. Choice of counsel. A defendant must be given an opportunity to retain counsel, even if not entitled to appointed counsel. Subject to considerations such as conflicts of interest, scheduling, counsel's authorization to practice law in the jurisdiction, and counsel's willingness to represent the defendant, whether pro bono or for a fee, criminal defendants have a right to be represented by counsel of their choice. The remedy for erroneous deprivation of first-choice counsel is automatic reversal. In Kaplan and Drysdale v. United States, 1989, the court held that there is no Sixth Amendment exception to criminal forfeiture. For example, after conviction, the government can seek forfeiture of already paid legal fees under a forfeiture statute, notwithstanding the effect on the defendant's ability to retain counsel of choice. Appointment of Counsel. A defendant unable to retain counsel has the right to appointed counsel at the government's expense. While the Supreme Court recognized this right gradually, it currently applies in all federal and state criminal proceedings where the defendant faces authorized imprisonment greater than one year, a felony, or where the defendant is actually imprisoned. The right to appointed counsel does not extend when the defendant is not sentenced to actual imprisonment and could not have been sentenced for more than one year, even if that conviction is later used to enhance sentencing for another crime or even if the revocation of probation may result in actual imprisonment. Nor does the defendant have the right to appointed counsel to raise frivolous arguments on direct appeal, or to raise any arguments on habeas or other collateral appeal, even if facing execution. Constructive denial. Whether counsel are appointed or retained, the clause protects the role of counsel and certain attributes of the attorney-client relationship. For example, The clause requires that the defendant be given time to consult with counsel and that counsel be given time to investigate the case pre trial. And, the clause also prohibits a state from barring a defendant from being cross examined by counsel, or restricting the order in which the defendant may be called as a witness. Further, the court may not prevent a defendant from consulting with her counsel during an overnight recess, even if the recess bisects direct and cross examination of the defendant. Similarly, the defendant has a right to have her counsel make a closing argument, even if a bench trial. Conflict-free counsel. Whether counsel is retained or appointed, the defendant has a right to counsel without a conflict of interest. If an actual conflict of interest is present, and that conflict results in any adverse effect on the representation, the result is automatic reversal. The general rule is that conflicts can be knowingly and intelligently waived, but some conflicts are unwaivable. Ineffective assistance of counsel. In Strickland v. Washington, 1984, the court held that, on collateral review, a defendant may obtain relief if the defendant demonstrates both, one, that defense counsel's performance fell below an objective standard of reasonableness, the performance prong, and, two, that, but for the deficient performance, there is a reasonable probability that the result of the proceeding would have been different, the prejudice prong. To satisfy the prejudice prong of Strickland, a defendant who pleads guilty must show that there is a reasonable probability that, but for counsel's deficient performance, he or she would not have pleaded guilty. In Padilla v. Kentucky, 2010, the court held that counsel's failure to inform an alien pleading guilty of the risk of deportation fell below the objective standard of the performance prong of Strickland and permitted an alien who would not have pleaded guilty but for such failure to withdraw his guilty plea. To satisfy the prejudice prong of Strickland, a defendant who rejects the prosecution's plea offer must show that there is a reasonable probability that, but for counsel's deficient performance, the offer would have been accepted by the defendant, not withdrawn by the prosecution, and accepted by the court, and that the sentence actually received exceeded that which would have been received under the plea. Pro se representation. In Ferretta v. California, 1975, the court held that a criminal defendant has the right to knowingly and voluntarily opt for pro se representation at trial. This right is not per se violated by the appointment of standby counsel. There is no constitutional right to self-representation on appeal. Clauses of general applicability. All of the foregoing constitutional provisions apply exclusively to criminal matters. In contrast, the due process and equal protection clauses have substantial application outside of the criminal law. Due process. U.S. Constitution Amendment 5 provides. Or shall any person, be deprived of life, liberty, or property, without due process of law, U.S. const. Amend. 14, section 1 provides. Or shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property, without due process of law, the due process clauses of the 5th and 14th Amendments apply generally to all stages of criminal proceedings. The due process clause of the 14th Amendment was the vehicle for the incorporation of all of the foregoing rights, with the exception of the grand jury clause, the vicinage clause, and maybe the excessive bail clause, to apply in state criminal proceedings. Due process is also the catch-all vehicle for the enforcement of fundamental fairness, even if the infirmities of a given prosecution do not neatly sound in another enumerated provision. Proof beyond a reasonable doubt. The due process clauses require that the burden of proof in criminal cases be placed on the government, and that the quantum of proof be beyond a reasonable doubt. Henry Winship, 1970, explicitly held that the Due Process Clause protects the accused against conviction except upon proof beyond a reasonable doubt of every fact necessary to constitute the crime with which he is charged. But, the state may place the burden of proof for an affirmative defense on the defendant. Erroneous denial of a reasonable doubt instruction is a structural error that entitles the defendant to automatic reversal. Erroneous definitions of reasonable doubt do not require reversal as long as taken as a whole. The instructions correctly conveyed the concept of reasonable doubt to the jury. Instructions on certain evidentiary presumptions against the defendant, if interpreted as conclusive presumptions or as shifting the burden of proof to the defendant, are also unconstitutional. Permissive presumptions are constitutional. In some circumstances, a trial court must separately instruct the jury on the presumption of innocence, in addition to giving a reasonable doubt instruction. The reasonable doubt standard is primarily effectuated by jury instructions, but it retains its relevance when the trial judge considers a motion for a directed verdict of acquittal and when an appellate court reviews the sufficiency of the evidence. On federal habeas review of a state conviction for sufficiency of the evidence, to grant relief, the reviewing court must find that upon the record evidence adduced at the trial, no rational trier of fact could have found proof of guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. In a successive, abusive, or defaulted federal habeas review of a state conviction, a defendant claiming actual innocence must show that it is more likely than not that no reasonable juror would have found petitioner guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Brady Disclosure. Brady v. Maryland, 1963, is another significant, specific criminal procedural right guaranteed by the due process clauses. Brady requires a criminal conviction to be reversed if the government withholds exculpatory, or impeachment, material, within the government's possession, from the defendant, and there is a reasonable probability that, If such material had been disclosed, the result of the proceeding would have been different, materiality. Brady is a holistic, rather than piece-by-piece, inquiry. Whether the government acted in good faith or bad faith is irrelevant to Brady. But, if the defendant cannot prove that withheld evidence would have been exculpatory, because its import is unknown, to obtain relief, the defendant must instead show that the government acted in bad faith. The government is not required to disclose impeachment material prior to plea bargaining. Whether the government must disclose exculpatory material during plea bargaining is an open question. Mental competence. It has long been accepted that a person whose mental condition is such that he lacks the capacity to understand the nature and object of the proceedings against him, to consult with counsel, and to assist in preparing his defense may not be subjected to a trial consistent with the due process clause. The test is whether he has sufficient present ability to consult with his lawyer with a reasonable degree of rational understanding, and whether he has a rational as well as factual understanding of the proceedings against him. A state may place the burden on the defendant has to prove incompetence by the preponderance of the evidence, but the state cannot require the defendant to prove incompetence by a higher standard, such as clear and convincing evidence. The right to competence cannot be waived because waivers of constitutional rights are required to be knowing and voluntary. The state may involuntarily medicate the defendant in order to make her competent for trial but only after factual showings that there is a state interest in punishment, as opposed to civil confinement, that the medication is likely to result in competence, and that the medication is necessary to restore competence. A defendant who is competent to stand trial is therefore also competent to plead guilty, waiving the full panoply of trial rights, but not necessarily competent enough to represent herself at trial in the face of a state procedural rule requiring a higher standard of competence for pro se representation. Prosecutorial Misconduct. Due process prohibits the prosecution from knowingly using falsehood to convict the defendant, and requires reversal if there is a reasonable likelihood that the verdict was affected, whether the falsehood is inculpatory or goes against the credibility of a witness. Equal Protection. U.S. Constitution Amendment 14, Section 1 provides. Or shall any state, deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. The Equal Protection Clauses has at least three applications relevant to criminal proceedings. A prohibition on selective prosecution on invidious bases, a requirement that jury pools and veneers represent a fair cross-section of the community, and a prohibition on the discriminatory use of jury peremptory challenges. Selective Prosecution. The defendant may move to dismiss a criminal charge on the ground that he or she has been singled out for prosecution because of race, gender, religion, national origin, illegitimacy, or similar. In order to get discovery on a racial selective prosecution claim, the defendant must make the threshold showing that the government declined to prosecute similarly situated suspects of other races. The defendant is not entitled to a presumption of selective prosecution based on data regarding the overall population of convicts. Discrimination in the jury pool and venere The Equal Protection Clause prohibits the exclusion of persons from selection for a grand or petty jury on the basis of race, regardless of the race of the defendant. Further, the defendant is entitled to a jury pool that represents a fair cross-section of the community. In order to prove a fair cross-section violation, the defendant must show that 1. A distinctive, for example, cognizable, group, 2. Is not represented fairly and reasonably in the jury pool in proportion to the community, 3. Due to systematic exclusion. Discriminatory Peremptory Challenges While a defendant is entitled to a fair cross-section in the venire the defendant is not guaranteed a fair cross-section in the actual grand jury or petty jury. Yet, the Equal Protection Clause does regulate the use of peremptory challenges in the selection of the petty jury from the venere. In the landmark case of Batson v. Kentucky, 1986, the Supreme Court reversed a criminal conviction because of the prosecutor's racially motivated use of peremptory challenges. There are three steps to a Batson inquiry. First, the party opposing the use of a peremptory challenge must make a prima facie case this requires only an inference, not preponderance. Second, the party seeking the peremptory challenge must provide a permissible, neutral explanation for the challenge. Third, the trial court must decide whether the explanation is pretextual. A rationale is pretextual if it applies equally to a similarly situated juror who was seated. If the trial judge erroneously permits the striking of a juror under Batson, and the error is preserved, the only remedy is automatic reversal. If the trial judge erroneously prevents the striking of a juror under Batson, and the jury is seated, the Constitution permits a jurisdiction to utilize harmless error analysis. The race of the defendant is irrelevant to a Batson claim. Batson also permits the prosecutor to challenge defense peremptory strikes, reverse Batson. And, Batson applies equally to race and gender. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution. Share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.